Hi, baseball fans. I'm Brandon Hall with the Prep Baseball Report here in North Carolina. Going to open this podcast with a little different sentiment, a little different tone as uh, we're going to mourn the passing of Greg Simmons, the head baseball coach at Charlotte Christian. Um, I've known Greg for close to 20 years. Um, you know, and you talk about obviously a great coach. I think I saw Stavry won 16 state titles. Um, but I think his his legacy is much more than that. Um, the legacy is as a as a man, as a as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a mentor to the players that came through his program. Uh, I had the privilege to coach numerous players that played for him at Charlotte Christian, um, and I've had a chance to speak to a couple of them since Greg's passing. And um, it, it's been a very tough week for for those that, that knew him and knew him very well. And, uh, we at Parrot Baseball Report want to pass along our condolences, our thoughts and prayers to everybody that Greg has touched. Rest in peace, Greg. Welcome back to another PBR podcast here in North Carolina. I'm Brandon Hall. He's Matt Payne. We're going to walk you through some of the high school baseball in our area. Matt, how you doing, my man? Doing good. Good weekend. Good weekend this past weekend. I know you spent a lot of time uh, out at A-Lab and saw a lot of good players. Um, but we're going to start just talking about just, you know, coaching in general. Um, you know, obviously with Greg Simmons passing away, it got me thinking a little bit about the not just – uh, what coaches do for players in terms of development, uh, running faster, throwing harder, game management, things of that sort. But, you know, the, the process of that coach and player mentorship and friendship and relationship, which, you know, uh, I think Greg fostered at Charlotte Christian and uh, a lot of our high school coaches and a lot of our college coaches in the state do a really good job of. Um, when, when I talk to you a little bit about, you know, coaches that had a, an impact on your life, um, is there anybody that kind of comes to mind right out of the shoot? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Greg there. First of all, thoughts and prayers to the, the people down there. And uh, he was well-respected across the state. And when you would go to a game down there, you could see the uh, the love and appreciation that people had for him. And uh, talking about coaches, uh, for me, I think it starts with my dad growing up. Um, him teaching me the game and, and building that love for the game and and giving me the foundation to go forward. And you get to high school and other people coach you and had great high school coaches and get to college and, and coach Avent and coach Hart obviously meant a lot to me in my career. And uh, then you get into pro ball and, you know, Tom Prince comes to mind and played and coached in the big leagues. And you realize there's a lot of people that have, have forgotten more baseball than, than I'll ever know. I, I, I think the big thing is it's, it's that growth of the game. It's that, that ability to, to develop people w- within the concepts of what baseball is and, and then developing that passion, you know, and I think as a society, we have a lot more options than maybe the generations before us, you know, there's more football options on a daily basis. There's more, uh, there, there's just a lot more to do a lot more things people can do, but you know, the game of baseball tends to, to bring people together. Um, it, it's a long form. It's, it's not a quick hit. You get a chance to sit, you get a chance to digest, you get a chance to talk about and strategize and, um, you know, hang out and be a part of a, be a part of something. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you mentioned your dad and, you know, my dad was a um, 
coached us, me and my brother, both through travel ball in high school and fall ball and all that stuff. Um, and then we both went to college and we both got into coaching. And as we were doing that, he got out of business and kind of got into high school coaching. He was at uh, Enloe in Raleigh. He was at Wake Forest, what was Wake Forest Rollsville. Um, and then yeah, settled at Wakefield. He was at Wakefield for, you know, 12 to 15 years or so. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was funny. I have a six-year-old who started T-ball and, and I got him out of retirement to coach that and to see the passion again of him being on the field and teaching to a different generation. Again, what you teach at T-ball is different than what you teach in high school, you know, just trying to understand <laughs> the basis sometimes, but that joy of the game with people that really understand coaching and really enjoy uh, that aspect of it, that joy of the game very quickly comes back and very quickly spreads to the people they're around. Um, you know, and that's, that's the first thing that kind of comes to mind when I'm looking at that impact coaches are making is, are they, are they creating that joy and are they, are they spreading that joy of the game to the players? Not necessarily, are they not hard on players, but, do their players enjoy that passion for the game that, that you and I have? For sure. And I think that's um, one part we, we enjoy with what we do is interacting with the kids that, that come and getting to know them. And um, I think they see our love for it and, and we enjoy seeing their love for the game and their desire to improve and, and show the work that they've put into it. Yeah, we get to see guys from from different age groups, sixth, seventh, eighth graders, and into high school. And you know, we're not we're not there every day for the development part. You know, uh, it, our our jobs are different nowadays, but we still get to to watch that development and to enjoy that process. And there's there's kids that you know that, that we latch onto, even as scouts, just because we see that they've kind of overcome, or that we see the the distance they've come with their development, and then they're having a chance to turn that dream into reality. You know, they ne didn't necessarily see that they had the dream, but didn't necessarily see how the reality was going to come true. And then they commit, you know, and instantly that joy comes through and we're, we're extremely happy for those guys. And, um, you know, we got a chance to see a couple of those guys this past weekend. Um, we'll have a, co a couple more that we'll see this upcoming weekend. Um, you know, and so that aspect of it and following the game from afar still eats us up as we're going through and watching high school games, going through our showcase stuff, going through scout days, getting a chance to be around travel teams and things of that sort. Yeah. It's uh, you know, we see those guys early on a lot of times and they come in and they're, it's a new environment for them and they may be a little timid and, and don't say a whole lot. And then three years later they come back and it's, you know, what's up, Matt, how you doing? Did you watch the football game? And, you know, you kind of build somewhat of a relationship with them. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> and it can, it, it, it's, it's something that, that we lost a little bit getting out of coaching, you know, and then to be able to replenish that, even if it's in a small way, you know, and, and the joy we get out of being, <clears throat> excuse me, back on the field with like future games and really getting and seeing and, and getting to spend time with guys in the dugout for two to three to four days, watching how they, they perceive the game, watching how they interact with each other, watching how they interact with coaches you know, picking our brain about what we see and us picking their brain about what they see, um, you know, and, and continue to teach the game, continue to evolve the game. Because there's there's things that we do from a developmental standpoint. There's things that we do from a game management standpoint that I don't think players, and I know I didn't, but players probably don't even, you know, think of those concepts. But as coaches, we're sitting on the side and it's all we have time to think about. And so that interaction of the, the doers, 
versus the concept people and developing those, those that the interpersonal skills, developing that relationship and relating that stuff back and forth. Um, it, it's something that I miss. I miss, you know, I tell people all the time when they ask me, you're going to get back into coaching. I said, I don't, I don't miss coaching, so to speak. I miss practices and I miss the locker room. <clears throat> Game days were, you know, they, they were basically scripted out. If you did a pretty good job at practices, you know how most of the game is going to run. But I miss that interaction with players on a daily basis. It brings me as we start to you know kind of continue the conversation, um, you know, Matt. As you look back, high school, your your time at Caldwell, your time at App State, even um, your your playing time, is there an interaction that you remember with a coaching with a coach, uh, whether it was on the field, practice, and locker room? And is that interaction that you kind of flash back to more often than not? Is it? Is it really game related and situational related, or is it more life getting to know somebody in interpersonal? It's I don't know if you can go back to to one or two things, but when I look back on coaching, the, the games will always be fun. I mean, that's I think that's in your blood. But what I I remember most and miss the most is is being around the kids, and whether it's in practice or down in the cages when when guys are working on their own or when they would pop in the office and just kind of sit down and talk or talk other things, talk other sports or, you know, being on the road, the hotel, when you go down for breakfast and a couple guys will come and sit with you and you just, you talk about life and things that's going on and, and being able to have conversations other than, other than baseball. And, you know, you almost, you have that friendship with them. You're still their coach and maybe mentor, but you you know, I'm on a more friendly level, personal level. And uh, that's what you remember and, and miss from the coaching side of things. 
And, and I think that's part of the growth of what the player has a chance to become because I, you know, freshman in high school, freshman in college, you probably don't have that. You're not just going to go breakfast, you know, first breakfast on a road trip and sit right next down, right down next to coach Avent. you know, no. probably get your stuff, <laughs> you get your stuff. And, but by the time you're a junior, if there's something on your mind and, and shoot, he's there, might as well get it off my mind. It's something we can talk about. You know, and it's it's that ability for the players to grow. And our high school guys that we track and follow, the guys that may be listening to this right now, they're getting ready for their spring. I think that's part of that dynamic on teams that have a chance to be really good. How much ownership does the junior and senior class take with what's going on with that club? Do they have that ability to talk to their head coach? Do they have that ability to say, hey, we're tired. We've been working our tail off. We're beat down a little bit. We may need a day. Hey, it's okay to press us today. It's okay. I know we, it's been a tough two weeks, but we got some guys that we, we do. We need to push through this. Um, is it okay to run a players only meeting? Is it okay to run a players only practice? You know, and, and having the concepts and the ideas of what the coach is wanting to do, but, but also that willingness that the coach knows, Hey, we're on the same page and we're all pushing towards the same, same goal. And so I can give some freedom to some of the older guys so that they can take it and run with it and, and take ownership of that club because every club is a little bit different. Yeah. Every, every good team I've been on or coach, the, the, the players had such a, a big say in it. You know, they, they took ownership of it and uh, they would kind of let you know, like, Hey, Hey coach, we're going to do this today. Or, you know, we need this and uh, the players take it over. And I can go back to, to being in college. We had a, pretty good club my, my last year and it was the last weekend of the season and some guys went out went out after the last game of you know of a road trip and uh got called and you know coach wasn't very happy and and we get over to the ACC tournament and he calls some of us over and he's like you know how do, how do you think we should handle this and all that and we basically said hey hey coach we don't play for three days you know we're good we want to win and he was like all right I like it you know and you know him coming to the players for for that and you know having the pulse of the team and uh, players respect that, and I think coaches respect that too. And, and one thing players need to understand that are listening to this, that has to be earned. You know, it's not it's not that you just show up in a meeting and go, hey, we want to be a part of it too, and we're going to make some decisions with you, coach. That's not what we're saying. You know, the, the aspect of, of players and the coach feeling like he can come to a player or a player group like that, that group of players has worked their tails off. They've earned that respect. They've earned that ability where the, the coach is still going to have the final say but he feels like he needs to be inclusive because those players have earned that right. Uh, and it's not necessarily how good the player is or, you know, how much talent that player has. It's, it's the buy-in, it's the dedication, it's the, it's the understanding of what the coaching staff is trying to push for and, and being supportive of that through your career to the point where the coach now says, okay, we know we're on the same team. We know you're pushing towards what I'm pushing to. How can we do this better? Um, and I, I think, again, the, the best coaches really understand that and do a great job with that um, communication with their players. You said it best. So that, that's earned. And that's, yeah. you know, a lot of days of paying the price and working hard and, and grinding it out and being a team first guy and, and taking care of your business before you ever you ever have enough respect or enough clout to go in and, and, and have a coach's ear. And it doesn't always make sense to the younger guys. Well, you know, why, why does that guy, because they haven't seen it. You know, I can, I can remember being a freshman at Wilmington and we had a junior 
who was dealing with some mental health stuff. And, and at that, at that time, that wasn't, that was a faux pas. You didn't, you didn't admit to, you know, having those types of issues, but he was an all American, a team USA guy had led the country in strikeouts per nine a year before. And he was just having some issues and we gave him a fall off. And I think there were 13 or 14 of us that were freshmen. And our freshman class that year dominated the roster in terms of numbers. And we didn't get it. You know, for us, it was a new team. For us, it was a new thing. We hadn't seen all the work that, that that guy had put in for the two previous years. We knew he was really good, but we didn't know if, if it was the hard work or if it was just talent or whatever. And, you know, it was he had tremendous work ethic. And so the coaches had given him that leisure and given him that leash of, hey, let's get your mind right. Let's get your body right. We're going to give you a semester to make things right. Just be to these things, X, Y, and Z, but you don't have to come to everything. And then when we hit December, we're, it's go time. We're going we're gonna to see if we can't get back on track. Like younger players, we didn't understand it. But we also weren't going to question it because we hadn't earned that right to question anything yet. But as <laughs> I got later into my career, I actually got hurt and then started coaching with Coach Scaff, who was making those decisions at Wilmington. So as somebody had gotten hurt um, you know, and then got into coaching, I was able to actually have some of those conversations and, and see behind the curtain a little bit, whereas maybe you know, a lot of people don't get to see that. So um, a lot of great coaches in North Carolina. We get to see them. We get to interact with them. The coaches, we sent out our, our preseason questionnaire. They're, they were flooding us back in. Uh, a lot of guys really working for players out there. Even when players don't see it, there's a ton of coaches that really are working for their players, their best well-being, putting them in the right positions as they move forward, trying to, to get them uh, opportunities as they move forward as well. You, you and I both see that on a daily basis, Matt. Yeah, you know, and, and coaches working for their kids, it doesn't have to be a, a Twitter post or something like that. We get we get all kinds of emails or texts or run into them places, and they're they're constantly praising a kid for his work ethic, work ethic, or you know, if you can help this kid out in any way, you know, he's he's worked for it, he's earned it, and you know, we expect him to have a good year. Well, let's move forward and, and and jump into this past weekend. You actually had a home game. You were at. Uh, the Athletes Lab made in North Carolina fairly close to your house. And um, for Saturday, Scout Day with a lab, and then Sunday, preseason all state West. Um, let, talk to me a little bit about your impressions. And obviously, it's a facility you know fairly well. You know the owners fairly well. But give me some of the, the feedback on on the apps, the, the facility of Athletes Lab. Yeah, it's a, a great place to train. And the Rembert brothers have, have done a great job there, having opening up a place and providing athletes in this area with a, a place to train and get better at, at not only baseball, but, but other sports. And they have the indoor and ton of cages, ton of mounds, and it's, it's spacious. And recently they've added a, a hundred yard turf field outside that we were able to use and they use it for soccer and flag football and other things. And uh, I enjoy being there. It's, it's easy for us to do things in there. And it's also a, an easy place for kids to get work done in there and had a great day with those guys on, on Saturday with, with their org for their scout day. And uh, got to see a lot of players that we haven't seen. It, it really is. A, the first thing you walk in, I mean, it's, it's an older building, but when you walk in, they've done such a good job with where the turf's laid down, the way the space is laid out. There's plenty of space to get your swings in. There's plenty of space to get your throwing in, get your bullpens in. You don't feel like you're right up on top of anybody. Um, you know, it, it was clean, immaculate. And so, you know, we're bringing showcases there. That's, that's one of the things that we look for. We want that experience for the player to be, um, be, to be good. And the first thing you see when you walk in a facility 
is, is it kept up? Is it clean? Is it presentable? And then those guys do a tremendous job, but you know, the indoor, you know, multiple short cages for guys to get their work in five indoor mounds right there. Bang, bang, bang behind it, a weight room. Obviously we didn't use that for our showcases, but you know, some of their coaches were in there lifting and then they've got a building next door that's connected. They've taken down part of the wall as a door. And that's probably what, a it's at least a 40 yard, you know, probably what 20 by 40 yeah, piece it's, of turf and it's just wide open and they've got it sectioned up, but we could use that one to let the ball fly during BP. Um, and then, like you said, when we went outside, that was amazing. You know, and obviously the weather cooperated, but outfielders were able to get full length throws. We got our running in without any issues and we were able to do a full infield to give the, the shortstops a chance and third baseman a chance to feel like they were in their normal positions, making normal plays on a routine field. So um, really appreciative that they let us in there. And uh, Matt, what did you see on Saturday? The Athletes Lab Scout Day, um, you know, looked like there was some talent on hand ranging from the 2027 class all the way up to some seniors. Yeah, uh, a lot of good young players there and some older guys. A uh, couple guys that stood out, Adam Rogers, a 2026 from Lincoln Charter, a switch Roger, hitter. Adam um, he brailed balls from both sides of the plate. There's quickness in the swing. Um, really good actions defensively. I think he's going to be a fun guy for us to follow. And um, Evan Mateel from, from East Lincoln, we, we saw him last year in high school action. And he just continued. He just continues to hit. You know, he's he played for their football team this year that won the 3A state championship, and um, the body has a has a football player build to it. And you know, like the left-handed swing, it's simple, and uh, he's got a good idea where the barrel's at. And enjoy watching him take BP. And they had a couple arms as well. Carson Dolly, another East Lincoln kid, um, just fills up the strike zone. His velocity's made a jump, and I think it'll only jump more heading into the the spring summer circuit. And then they tried out a 2027 Alex wall, who's, you know, six, two and lanky and it's, it's clean and easy. And uh, that kid's got a chance to throw really hard one day. JFG North Carolina, possibly his numbers uh, yes. look really good. When I, I haven't <laughs> seen, I haven't had a chance to see the video just yet, but I will be seeing it shortly after we get off this podcast. So uh, I was intrigued by that one. As soon as you, you told me the name, I saw the size. I looked at the numbers. Woo. That's a pretty freaking good eighth grader. So it's fairly well advanced right there. Um, yeah, obviously. They had another, go ahead. They had another kid, you know, we saw early. Sean Jenkins, you know, young yep. kid. He goes with us to JFG, and now he's committed to East Carolina. So they, they keep running them out there for us. Well, they've really done a good job. Um, and and the, the brothers that run it, um, the rim, help me with the last name. I can see the spelling. Rim, Rimberts. Rimberts. Rimbert brothers. Rimberts. My mouth gets tongue-tied sometimes. Rimberts. But both of, their, both of them have a background in coaching. I, I can remember being with Grant on the road. You know, we ran into him a bunch, uh, so I think especially when he was at Upstate, maybe leaving a little bit of time at Elon. But when they got out, they got into this, and, you know, chance to be at home, chance to raise their families but also a chance to make an impact on, on the community. And what's happened is they've had their younger teams are starting to age up now. And so now you're starting to see, and they've had some good high school players. They've had some good high school age teams, but you're going to start seeing a lab being a little bit more of a, a factor, even on, on some national levels here coming up because they've done a great job of developing the players in their area and getting those guys to stay at home and, and train with them. Yeah, they've they've done a great job, and their their youth teams continue to grow. And uh, I've seen it; players get better in their program each year. 
Let's transition to Sunday. Sunday was our big preseason All-State West. It was our second preseason All-State and had approximately about 30 <coughs> high school players on hand and two committed uh, that we, we have uh, uh, a good track record with. We've seen them a bunch. Um, and we'll start with Hunter Honeycutt, committed to App State, kind of a super utility guy, catcher, infielder, outfielder. Um, but he just keeps getting better every time we see him. Yeah, he's uh, he's added some size, and the quickness has always been there. But, uh, you know, his preparation and hard work, you know, each offseason, you know, shows up when we see him for the first time each year. And switch hitter, uh, he's got an idea from both sides, and I think he's going to benefit App State with his versatility in the years to come. He's a guy that always had some quickness, and, and there was always there was always a motor to what he was doing. But the body's you know become a much more physical frame. Exit velocity has jumped. He's a guy that when he gets on campus, you know shows that he can handle upper level velocity. I think he's got a chance to wiggle his way into the 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 uh, lineup somehow, some way. And it's an interesting case because he doesn't have to do it as a middle infielder. He doesn't have to do it as a third baseman. He doesn't have to do it as a corner infielder or outfielder or, or even a center fielder or a catcher. You know. Wherever the deficiency is defensively, if he's one of the best nine hitters, he's going to be in the lineup because he has a chance to play multiple positions. And Kermit and those guys at App State um, obviously do a pretty good job, really good job of developing younger talent. Uh, and I think you know that from watching them a little bit last year, especially on the defensive side, they got some guys that had some deficiencies in years past and, and cleaned some of those things up and got them ready to go very quickly up on the mountain. And I think, you know, they, they make a decision, hey, Hunter's got a chance, boom, here's where he's going to play this year, and he'll be clean enough to, to allow that, that guy to be in the lineup. Yeah, his, his athleticism will allow him to, to do a lot. I know another hitter we were excited about seeing, and, um, you know, we talked about East Lincoln earlier, Trace Spees, third baseman, 2024, um, left-handed hitter. Uh, tell me what you saw in Trey this weekend. Uh, love the bat. Um, you know, enjoyed watching him last year in high school ball, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty left-handed swing. He just he barrels the ball. Uh, he's gotten stronger. I think exit velos were around 95, and uh, he was a key piece in the in the East Lincoln lineup last year. And you know, he had a good guy to learn from in Garrett Michelle. And I think you know Michelle definitely uh, seeing Michelle go about his business. I think he it definitely helped Trey with approach and and you know going at bat to at bat, and um, just love to watch the kid hit. He's got special rhythm, and, and and he's got good barrel to uh, ball to barrel ability. He, he's one of those. I I don't know that he's going to be a flashy commit. He's not going to be a guy that you know is going to jump up in our top three hundred nationally or anything like that. But he, and he and he's not quite this guy. But he reminds me a little bit of Dustin Ackley, just kind of a little bit under under the radar, left handed hitter. But every time you watch him, you go, I kind of I like that swing. Boy, I like that swing. And then he continues to grow, and Dustin's hand strength came a long way in his senior year. He gets to college, and you know Dustin led the country in hits, and I think doubles his freshman year. I don't know that Trey's going to produce at the level Dustin Ackley did, and he'd eventually be a first rounder. But the swing comparisons there for me, because the rhythm's so good and the barrel ability's so good. I, I, I'm kind of interested to see. And, and same, similar with Dustin, there wasn't really a position even out of high school. Where is he going to play? Can Trey play second? Can he play third? Is he going to be athletic enough to play first? Is he going to have to stick or short? Is he going to have to stick at first? Does he run well enough to play in the outfield? You know, all things people will figure out because they know the bat's got a chance to be in the lineup from day one. Yeah. We love the guys that keep the barrel in the zone a long time. 
another hitter, a couple other hitters that kind of stood out just, you know, based on exit velocity and kind of what I saw. 2024 Cade Gardner, who we've seen a bunch. 2025 Ellis Chapel. Um, you know, uh, 2024 Hayden Ashby. It's a little unorthodox, but there's some bats being hand strength. All in all, this was a, a top to bottom, uh, very, very solid uh, event in terms of the BP that we saw. Yeah, How for did sure. You evaluate uh, it? Yeah. Yeah, Kate Gardner. Uh, bat speed's got better since our last look at him. He had a good day. And another guy I know you'll talk about in a minute is uh, Drake Tucker from, from Vandy's. Uh, 2025, I believe. Uh, I believe he was the first guy to hit on the day, and he made sure our BP throw was away. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was hit, loud. Hit some, hit, some, hit some balls really hard. It was very so loud. He's a physical kid with with uh, hand strength and arm strength. Well, we're appreciative of being able to. You know, obviously in the winter, you don't always know if you're, what you're going to get defensively, and we've been in two places now. We've had enough space to to get a feel for some guys and watch rhythm in their feet, rhythm in their hands. The exchange, easy, easy, the ease of the process of getting the ball out of their glove and across the diamond, um, and, and I, a, absolutely at Athletes Lab that that being able to build an infield um, on that spacious turf allowed us to do that. What did you think defensively? Anybody stand out for you? Casey uh, McGinnis, twenty twenty six from North Lincoln, and another high school that continues to to have good baseball players and blue 41 uh, defense looked easy for him he had had good rhythm good actions and uh he definitely had a comfort level going through uh, his defensive workout well we started the day with the pitchers and uh you know i i thought that group that threw and i'm back there trying to evaluate as best i can and um watching everything but i thought i thought it was an advanced group um you know, especially for a January 29th date or whatever that 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 date exactly was on Sunday. Um, you know, the, the first name that pops up for me was Travis Rhodes. Travis is a guy that we saw uh, at our border battle this past summer. Travis Rhodes, Travis Rhodes. Jumps, demanded taking a hit as he had done, I mean, significant velocity jump and kind of tracking to see where he was going to be. And he was around the zone. It was good enough. And honestly, as we, we got into it and started – actually making a, a couple of adjustments with him, not necessarily mechanical, but just said, hey, I'd like to see elevate fastball. Now I'd like to see elevate slider. Um, and, and that maybe not pitches that he's constantly working on. He had to kind of just look and throw and trust. And he dotted those things up, you know, which was impressive to me. Shows me he has some feel. And, and I think the adjustments are going to come pretty quickly. Um, and, Matt, he plays on a Ledford team that we probably need to watch out for this spring. Yeah, that's uh, got a chance to be a fun club to watch. They got the two Miami commits and Paulino and Pachardo and uh, another young infielder, Wilmer Martinez that we've seen a few times. And that'll definitely be a club to watch heading into to March and April. No doubt. No doubt. Some young guys, I think Travis has a chance to add some stability just to, uh, as a senior that's been there, done that with some of their clubs um, from the recent past that made some runs in, in the playoffs. Uh, you mentioned Drake Tucker, uh, the big physical 2025, 6'2", 225 pounds. Bandy's high school plays with the dirt bags, uh, lists himself as a third baseman pitcher. I think I would switch that. I'm interested to hear how you how, how would you list him right now? Uh, he's, he's probably going to have to go to first base. Um, but, but you think you know, he hitter first? Uh, I like to give guys a chance to hit and prove they can't do it. Uh, yep. With with how he threw off the mound, though, it's it's hard not to say he's maybe pitcher first right now. 
And I, and I, I always, I, I want to give guys a chance to hit, but I always lean pitcher first because I see guys and I go, I know I can do this with it. If we, if I had him, we would do this. And that's just the pitching background and development background of pitchers. I, shoot, I had you that way too. Um, and then you went on to pretty prolific career as a hitter. So I'd have been, we would have given you a chance if you'd said yes. Um, Drake was a big body, strong arm, down zone, ball rode through the zone, uh, 85, 89, uh, with some carry through the zone. Um, you know, it was, it, it was an impressive pin, especially for a younger guy. Um, looking up, uh, breaking ball spun average, but he's throwing his slider, you know, 74, 77. So, you know, he's, he's got the right idea of what he's trying to do with that. And, and he's a guy that I think has a chance to get bandies, a chance to win games right out of the shoot. Yeah, and uh, Bandy's has a couple other young guys that uh, we'll have to follow, and he'll definitely definitely help lead that club this year. Another name I was excited to see, and I got a little bit of a personal history with with his family, Davis Cabbage. Um, I, I've known Davis's dad since I was working at Charlotte, where his dad works right now. And, um, you know, we had his older brother with us, went to the Southeast Unsigned Senior Games before he committed to Walter State. Um, but Davis is at um, Hickory Grove Christian, right-handed pitcher, 2025. Um, and the, the thing that was noticeable very quickly with Davis from the last time we've seen him is he's probably put on, you know, 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in his lower half, it looked like. He's 5'10", he lists himself at 160, maybe a little bit heavier than that. Um, but it was a, a strong, Davis athletic cabbage, lower Davis half. Cabbage. The hips were had some activity and motion in them. Um, you know, his... his his ability to spin the baseball in the past has allowed the ball to, to play out of the hand. And some of the numbers that were intriguing on him, it was 84, 87, but his average um, induced vertical break was 19 inches um, with a max of 21. So the ball's really riding through the zone. It's not actually climbing, but you know, it's, it's playing that trick on the hitters as the velocity climbs. If he can kind of maintain that 19 to 20, you know, he's going to have a chance to get a lot of swing and miss in the zone. Um, you know, the other thing that Davis did pretty really well, especially again, January 29th, second and third pitch in the zone, uh, curveball spun up to 2100 and had some depth, uh, 11 or, or one seven type tilt on it. And then the, the changeup was thrown with aggression, good arm side fade to it. And again, had a really good feel for it. And, and Matt, I know you were, you were a really good hitter, but guys that can throw three in the zone, I don't care if they're throwing, you know, as long as it, the velocity is at least average, um, they got a chance to, to make, make a lot of good hitters look foolish. Yeah. You know, going back to coaching, it seems like a lot of teams we always, always played would have a right-hander that was under six foot, but had good ride to the fastball and just hard to hit, you know, those guys would eat you alive and, you know, your head coach would come in and say, Hey, I want one of those guys, you know, yeah, they'd come in right. and have a pin and just, you know, there's those we, guys we can definitely a- have success. When we first started getting things rolling at Wilmington, we made a career on 5'10 and 5'11 guys that, that had good arms. We didn't know at the time how to express it. We didn't know that they, they had ride and carry in the zone. We just knew the ball. We called it jump or hop. The ball was just hopping on hitters. You know, 88 played like 92 for whatever reason. But we had a stable of those dudes at Wilmington. And and it pitched at a really high level. Um, whew, I want, don't want to date myself too much, but late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and tried to replicate that a little bit when we were at Charlotte. We got a little bit more physical, 
you know, ability to pitch down and pitch through through zones with those bigger guys. But um, and that actually transitions us to a right hander that I know you know well. Um, Caleb Williams, Alexander Central High School, six foot two, hundred ninety pounds from the senior class, committed to Rice. What did you think of Caleb as you were watching him the other day? I thought he had a really good day. He's always uh, he's always had arm strength and arm quickness. Uh, I think he's been in between slots at times and in between which breaking ball works best for him. I know he's he's messed with the twelve six. He's he's tried the slider, but uh, he shows up Sunday and. It's it's definitely more slider now, and it had more bite to it in times past. And he's also got a, a really good changeup that uh, you know I think he probably doesn't get to use in high school, but right. it's got late late sinking action, and um, he's definitely got bigger and stronger. I mean, that was a, a physical kid we saw on Sunday, and he continues to get better. It's always interesting when when programs that are are heavily into the analytics go outside their area. And now Caleb, the pitching coach at Rice was at Davidson, and they had recruited Caleb. He knew he knew Caleb really well, and then he goes to Rice. Why well, Rice was in our conference? Charlie, they don't leave Houston. They don't have to. You know, they, they very rarely leave Texas. But for them to come to North Carolina and get a player tells me that there's something analytically that they they looked at and went, this guy's different, and there aren't many. There aren't many. He's a little bit like an alien. And we need to go get him because we're not going to find that guy in Houston. And so when we're watching him, there were times where he's cutting the ball at 88, 89 miles an hour and it's up in the zone. And it was, you know, seven to 10 inches of cut. Well, if we can take that and we can lengthen a little bit and maintain the velocity, you know, which he's probably done at some point would be my guess, you know, 90, 91 with 13 inches. Now you're talking about a guy that's completely different from a lot of a lot of pitchers in the in, in the world, and that that's the guy that gets the swing and miss in the zone. You know, it's you're trying to figure out how or why. It's because it's got velocity and it's going in the wrong direction and it can be elevated. Um, and then you pair that with you know you got the side to side elevated and then you got the slider. It starts in the same spot and has a little tilt to it. Now it's a very dangerous combination. So I'm really intrigued by you know not not just Caleb's this year. Um, but what does he do moving forward? Because, you know, I, I think it's a really unique situation, you know, leaving this state and going to Rice um, and, and then kind of seeing how they develop whatever it was that they saw that they kind of, that they really liked because it, it is unusual, you know, knowing how Rice is recruiting in the past, obviously they got a new staff in last year, but still they, you know, they don't have to leave Houston to compete for a national title typically. And so it's interesting when they when they do get outside that framework, how that works out for them. Yeah, he's a smart kid too. I think he has the ability to to take some more advanced information and and understand how to how to use it or how it can help his game. Several other names, and I'm, we don't we don't have time to go through all these guys, Matt. But Peter Boatwright, Tate Jensen, C.J. Wallace, Caden Nolan, Jimmy Newman was an intriguing arm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's it, it, again. These preseason all states have really attracted some high end talent and not necessarily guys that are polished, but guys that we're going to be tracking here for one to two to three years where you, you believe, Hey, there's some serious upside as we're watching these guys. Yeah. It's one thing about these events is it's a lot of times it's our first look at a lot of freshmen and it helps us build the foundation for that freshman class and gives us an idea of who we need to go see during the high school season. Right. Right. 
Let's move forward. Let's talk about this weekend. We're going to be split up this weekend because I'm actually flying out to Chicago. I've got the our national event, which is the Super 60, held in um, our home base, which is just a tremendous facility and gives those guys a chance to really um, show out in front of us. Uh, scouting directors, general managers, assistant general managers, some of the top scouts in the country. There'll be, you know, uh, 100 to 200, you know, evaluators there watching the best talent in the country. we got a couple from North Carolina going there that we'll talk about. But let's start with where you're going to be at, Matt. We're heading back to um, Next Level in Greenville, North Carolina. Again, another fantastic facility, a wide-open facility, allows us to do a lot of things. Have you had a chance to look the roster a little bit and see what you're going to get into this weekend? Yeah, I think I think Saturday is going to be a fun day. We got we got Holden Cooper coming, East Carolina commit, um, just a baseball player, a uh, great kid, fun to watch. Uh, Ethan Britt and Duke commit, uh, get to see him again. Cooper Allen from from Wake Forest High School, Wait, uh, ready to see to... what that fastball is, especially with it being early. It doesn't have to be peaked, but I'm really I, I, I'm excited to see how good that arm is going to be. Yeah, and he, he swings the bat well too. He's a, you know we talked about it earlier. It'll be. Uh, He'll definitely get a chance to do both at Wilmington, I think. And I think uh, one of the players maybe I've seen more of than you have is Davis Albert from Wayne Country Day. William and Mary come in in the 2024 class. He's scheduled to be there. I'm, I'm intrigued on um, what your eval is on Davis because I, I thought he was a guy that was a potential future games guy for us last year. I think he was on our final list when we were trying to make decisions and, and just we went a different direction. Um, but, again, a guy that has a chance to be really good. And we talk about future games, Cole Lamford. Um, wasn't with Team Carolina, but was with Team Select at the Future Games and um, got a chance to learn a lot about Cole at the Future Games. I'm, I'm excited to kind of see the progression of the big lefty and where he's at too. Yeah, and I'm excited to see Luke Hemrick, left-hander, plays with TPA. Uh, we've seen him a few times, yep. and I think at some point that stuff's going to jump and curious to see where he's at this weekend. I got, I'm partial to a Millbrook, you know, my, my Millbrook alumni status i'm partial to jack strom who we saw at the east coast dodgers we saw at uh the dpc workout in the fall i think 2025 mm-hmm. outfielder from millbrook left-handed hitter you know for me he's a future games mark you know we'll, we'll kind of check in and we'll watch him here at this event and we probably need to check in on him in a, in a live game situation but uh the body the body screams prospect so give me one or two more if you see him uh ethan bunts catcher uh, I know last time we saw him, he, he took an impressive round of BP. Uh, excited to see him. I got one more for you. Colin Woolard, Woolard uh, right-handed pitcher in a 25 class that's committed to Virginia Tech. We have not seen a lot of him. and He was a, he was kind of a guy that made a jump this summer, is my understanding. Um, and, and his coach, Adam Pate at uh, Wayne Country Day, has, has – raved about the the development of that prospect. So I'm, I'm excited to see the report on him as well. Luca Pascarella is another guy, left-handed hitting, hitting catcher. Uh, we've seen a few times and interested to see where he's at. Cape Fear High School 2024 graduate. Nope. You know, for me, I'm getting, I'm getting cream of the crop. You know, we, we try to get, we typically, what do we turn in this year? About six, six to eight players from North Carolina. Yep. Uh, we had one turn it down. Decided not to go, and, and, and he honestly, it's he doesn't need to be there. People are going to go in and see him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we do have a 23 catcher from Wake Forest High School, Luke Stevenson, committed to North Carolina. Um, give me a little report on what I'm going to see from Luke. He can really hit. 
Uh, he has a comfort comfort level in the box. Uh, he's handled quality arms, and he and he also can can receive and throws well. And he's been one of my favorite guys the last couple of years. And I, I think he's going to open open some eyes up in Chicago. I had a chance to get on the phone with him last night just to make sure he knew kind of what we were getting into and give him lay of the land and things of that sort. And he was relaxed and confident. And um, you know, I, I was I was extremely. Uh, excited after getting getting off the phone with him, uh, just because the guys that have had that that rela- relaxation about them before they show up, um, it, it's really worked out. And I'm scrolling right now. I know we got one other one, the pitcher from Combine Academy, Chase Meyer, 2023 right-handed pitcher committed to West Virginia. Um, and Chase is a little bit of a nomad. He kind of he, he's I think he's from West Virginia. Uh, he plays in the Canes organization in the summer, 6'3", 185. And, you know, he may be the darling of the Super 60 when it's done. That's how good the stuff has a chance to be. Um, we, as an organization, we've seen him up to 92 with it spinning at 2,600. We've seen a two-plane hammer type slider. We've seen uh, a, a changeup that has a chance to get a ton of swing and miss. Um, and I'm hearing 92 is going to be very light. If he's, if he's there, he may be a little disappointed. So, you know, we may see a five, we may see a six, we may see better. Um, but I'm extremely excited to see where he's at as he's getting ready for the high school season and, you know, giving himself a chance to connect with with some scouts that are there as well. Have you seen Meyer at all? I know he's not a guy that was in our territory long, but I know you know the name. Yes. I saw him in the fall at high point and it's loose and athletic and, uh, it will be better than than ninety two, and he may leave. He may he may leave there with the best numbers of the whole thing. Uh, well, that would be two years it, in a row athletic. for North Carolina. We had we had uh, Jackson Humphreys last year that probably turned in the 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 he was the event stopper if they gave that award out, and you know he turned himself into a, he had missed some time in the spring, which probably hurt his draft status a little bit, but he ended up being a, I think a eighth round pick somewhere in there, and then also Brooks Brandon went with us last year catcher from Randleman. Uh, and then he had maybe the greatest height and Carolina high school season of all time last year uh, en route to leading Randleman to a state championship, but Brooks turned himself into a, a top 10 round pick as well with the Red Sox. So, um, you know, this is an event where a, a, a high end prospect can get lost just because there's so much, but you know, for those that follow us, follow along, I'll be tweeting from the super 60 out of my own account. Um, B hall underscore two nine, I think. And then Matt's going to be tweeting, um, on Saturday, and then also an event on Sunday from our PBR North Carolina PBR in uh, Prep Baseball NC at Prep Baseball NC account. So, uh, Matt, anything we missed today? I hope not. I know we I we, 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 had, we had two shots at it. <laughs> we did. <laughs> For those of you listening, we, we we got a good twenty minutes into this sucker before I realized I hadn't started recording the first time. So. Um, players need again, practice we need practice too yeah that's no doubt there is absolutely no that we we can talk it it's the other stuff the actually hitting the record button and then the post-production stuff that that bogs us down but uh it's always good getting on here and chatting and chopping it up with you so i appreciate the the time on both sides the one that's going to make it to air and the one that wasn't recorded um and then uh, we'll hook up later this week and kind of chop it up again and uh see what we saw over the weekend Yep. Enjoy Chicago. Absolutely. You enjoy yourself out there in Greenville and Wilmington. I'm Brandon Hall. He's Matt Payne. We'll see you next week here on the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast.